So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Honestly, he'd been running it for years, selling them from his space on the shop floor, and we only found out because one day someone smelt it, and not one of his oh. colleagues would grass him up. Smashing Security, Episode 112, Payroll Scams, Gold Coin Heists, Web Giant Spanked, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 112. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined today by a special guest, someone who's new to the show. Brand new. It's Jenny Radcliffe. Hello, Jenny. Hi, guys. Yay. Pleased to be here. Now, Jenny... If anyone out there doesn't know you, and shame on them, what do you do? And why are you here? And uh... why were you born? Is that what you're asking her? <laughs> so yeah, so I'm a social engineer. I do lots of talks on the topic, people hacker on social media, and podcast fellow podcaster. Yes, you do the Human Factor podcast, don't you? The thing is, everybody has a podcast these days. Exactly. Fair. Yes, exactly. And everyone also has a Reddit page. Well, we do now, and this is something we wanted to quickly plug. If people want to go and follow us on Reddit, they can now join in conversation and chat with the hosts. In other words, let me translate for Graham. Yes, please Graham do. is spending a lot of time on Reddit, and he's lonely. <laughs> if you want to go spend <laughs> some time with Graham, go to the Smashing Security sub and hang out with Graham, especially if you want to talk about chess. Or Doctor Who. No, I'm doing that. In the, your question. I'm not doing that in the Smashing Security post. Anyway, the the quick URL for it is smashingsecurity.com/slash/reddit. And later in the show, we'll also be telling you all about how to find the human factor as well and subscribe to that. So, Carol, what have we got coming up on the show this week? We've got a pretty interesting lineup this week. Graham, you are talking about new types of scams where hackers get on the payroll. Jenny has this wacky story about how a ginormous gold coin was stolen and it all used human hacking to do it. And I talk about the most fun topic of all, GDPR and fines. No, I'm not kidding. And I promise I make it interesting. All this and more coming up on Smashing Security. 
Recorded Future believes that every security team can benefit from checking out their free Threat Intelligence Handbook, which offers practical steps for applying threat intelligence in any organisation. For anyone who is baffled by threat intelligence and the benefits it can bring to your company, this is the book for you. It's an easy-to-read guide. It'll help you understand why threat intelligence is an essential part of every organisation's defence against the latest cyber attacks. Download your free copy now by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash intelligence. Are you not running a password manager in your organization? What are you thinking? Check out LastPass Enterprise. Just go to this URL, lastpass.com slash smashing. God, I find that so hard to say. LastPass.com slash smashing. Here you can learn all about what password managers can do for your firm. You can download a Forrester report all about the topic. And you can learn more about LastPass Enterprise. I mean, if you want to solve poor password hygiene, if you fancy securing every password-protected entry point in your business, then put on your digital skates and slide on over to lastpass.com slash smashing. I use them, I heart them, so you should check them out. On with the show. Now, chaps, I wanted to know from you, have you ever had a boss from hell? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Many times. (laughs) Well, I used to be your boss, Carl, so you've had some fantastic bosses as well, haven't you? I have had one or two amazing bosses. Any who particularly stood out as being good? One was Swedish. He liked to spend times in saunas. (laughs) Remember him? Yes, I do. He was great. (laughs) I've had horrible bosses. Have you? In fact, it's one of the reasons I don't have a boss anymore. (laughs) Yes, hear, hear to that. Yeah, I mean, I have some nice bosses as well. Yeah. Well, there are bosses out there who it's very difficult to say no to. They just won't accept it, will they? If they they want something done, then you've got to do it. And you almost live in fear of them. And this is something, of course, which scammers take advantage of via business email compromise, where someone forges your boss's email address, or worse, has actually managed to compromise your boss's email account. And they might send you a fraudulent message, maybe asking you to transfer money into a bank account under a hacker's control or forward sensitive information. We, we, we talked about this, if you remember, in episode 104, where we described how the Netherlands branch of the Pathé cinema chain, they got scammed out of yeah, millions. Yeah, yeah, that was a great story. That over one. and over again, they were scammed, yeah. thinking their boss was telling them to move money because of a business deal. And they kept on doing it. And they never yeah. checked with the boss face to face. So so that is something which can be a problem. There's, there are giveaways, of course. Sometimes if a boss suddenly begins to say, please and thank you, that can be a clue that it isn't your real boss uh, <laughs> because they're, they're speaking in an, an unusual or different way, right? That, that's one of the giveaway signs. So work can be pretty stressful and a boss from hell can make it pretty stressful as well, I think. But so is buying a house, right? That's another stressful thing which happens to you. I know houses I've bought in the past, you know, solicitors have left for six weeks on an unexpected skiing trip without warning me or real estate agents, you know, they're all fairly sort of vile and slimy anyway, aren't they? So I'm listening. so trying but, to figure out where you're going with this. You've well, talked look, about evil bosses. Yes. And now you're talking about house buying. I'm just trying to preempt you, but I can't. Well, the thing is that the bad guys can pretend to be a boss. They could also pretend to be an estate agent. Yes. Or a solicitor. No, the, the, 
process of buying a house, certainly in our country, is protracted enough and painful enough. The last thing you want is a scammer getting involved in the process, which they sometimes do. Increasingly, estate agents are, for instance, getting targeted by the scammers. And what they will do is they will pretend to be either the purchaser or the solicitor. And they say, just so you know, just before the purchase goes through, we've changed our bank account details. So when the big wallop in sum of money comes through, put it into this account rather than the one we may have told you about in the past. Oh, yeah, that's not suspicious. Well, You'd it, have to be a pretty small <laughs> firm not to go, hmm. it, it happens an incredibly large amount. Ooh. You know, millions have been lost. But here's the thing. Here's the thing is something like that. When When you're in the middle of that stressful situation and a problem appears... You know, one of the things we do in social engineering is we present the target with an easy way out. And, and if the easy way out is, look, it's very simple. Just change the, the bank account and that's that. They probably, your decision-making capacity is very low when you're emotional. Right. So I can totally see how that would work. And this, like the boss one, it is really all about social engineering, isn't it? Either it's done on the phone or it's done via an email, a hacked email address. But the outcome is the same. Money ends up in the wrong bank account. And someone's been seriously duped. Right. Now, there are other ways in which these kind of scams can happen. One that we see is that the bad guys will pretend to be one of a company's many suppliers. So you may have a big company with many contractors and firms working for you, working on big, big projects. And what the scammers will do is they will break into an email account. They may observe what projects you're working on, and they will then create almost like a bogus company with a bogus bank account in the name of that company, and they will actually send an invoice to your accounts department for a project that they know has just completed, because they've been observing the emails. Sneaky, sneaky. (laughs) Well, companies have lost tens of millions through exactly this kind of scam. Again, because they're idiots. Well, oh, that's nice, isn't it, Crow? Just call them idiots. Well, maybe they should just keep better logs so they can keep track of their money trails. Yeah, but this this is a a real thing which is being paid for, right? A project which has happened, you are expecting an invoice to come in. And even if the finance department contacted the individual in charge of the project and said, can you confirm that project moon landing has occurred and, you and said, they'd yes, have we've a PO that. number there'd be a PO number if they hacked into the email so they'd even know that number Make right. that, yeah it's not that yeah. it's not that a mark is is ever stupid necessarily it, it's I think one of the things that's really starting to annoy me in the security industry is people saying how these attacks are not very sophisticated and that people are falling for them because they're dopey or, or, or they're, they're not very clever. That if, if the take is, is of a decent size, it's really worth executing that con very well. And so spend a lot of time and effort uh, making things look convincing, making sure that you hit the right kind of timings. You know, the observation stage of any con is, is the longest stage. It, we spend longer on that than execution right much more than a lot of uh, more basic cons because yeah you can always play the percentages on the smaller ones but the bigger ones that you you're talking about those tens of millions it needs uh, more time and elegance elegance is what i keep telling people there's no (laughs) elegance in this right Scammers hacked into his email and sent him bogus bills. His business nearly lost more than $300,000. As Pam Zekman reports, the FBI believes this scam is growing and costing U.S. businesses billions. I'm in trouble. 
How bad was the trouble? The trouble was very bad. Ahmet Diamond imports metal-cutting machinery from Taiwan. His email system was apparently hacked by scammers who monitor business emails and then redirect payments. So that's another way in which the bad guys can get your money. Now, what I want to talk to you about this week is a different way in which this similar kind of thing can happen. And what can happen is the fraudsters can actually get themselves onto the payroll of your company. Shut the front door. So it's like they've been hired by you as a permanent employee. This can happen in a number of ways. One way is they can target the email account of one of your employees. Okay. And we've got some examples which we're linked to from a company called Agari. Uh, a Gary? I'm not sure how you say it. But anyway, <laughs> Agari. Hello, Gary. Anyway, so Agari, uh, they've, do- they've done some research into this and they've actually included some screenshots and things of exactly these kind of emails being sent to HR departments claiming to come from an employee saying, I've recently changed banks. I'd like to change my direct deposit details to my new account. Can you sort this out for me? And sometimes the HR department are wise enough to say, well, look, you're going to have to send us something on the bank letterhead confirming your details. Well, again, like you were saying, Jenny, if if they're determined to get this money, they will fake the bank letterhead. Yeah. They will send that through, you know, just as a PDF or something. Say, here you go. Here are the details. And the HR department will just update their database. But the other challenge is that many companies these days have a sort of self-service system where you can log into your own company intranet and maybe change your own payment details. Because why would you need to speak to HR to do that? Why can't they trust you? So a lack of proper authentication there can mean that your employees log in or someone posing as your employee logs in and changes their details. And it may, again, take weeks or even months before someone notices they haven't been paid, you know, depending on who they are. Has anyone fallen for this? Have you seen any stories where someone's actually been duped by this and not gotten their salary and gone, hey, guys, I think you owe me my salary? So that's what A. Gary are, are talking about and they're, they're linking to and they've come across examples of this. And they also postulate, and I'm not unclear whether they're saying this has actually happened or not, but they were clearly thinking about what the next generation of these kind of attacks are. See, the challenge is, with what I've just described, obviously people are going to notice if they don't get paid, whether you're in the US government shutdown yeah. or, you know. Yeah, they're noticing every single day, I bet. Mo- mo- most most people are going to notice at the end of the month if their salary hasn't arrived. It may be too late for that month, but it's not an ongoing campaign. It's also something which would be hard for a scammer to do multiple times inside the same company, although they might do it in multiple companies. You know, one or two people in lots and lots of companies. Yeah, I don't know if you could do this at scale. I don't know. It sounds like... It's risky. Yeah, it sounds like... a lot of contact. Yeah, a lot of contact, a lot of legwork for one payment, really, that might work. Yes, but a lot more payments than maybe the typical scam. Well, it depends, I guess, who you manage to get, right? Exactly. Maybe you get more if you target someone who's C-level, for instance. Didn't we have a boss once who went to a (laughs) younger employee and showed... Went up to her with his P45, because he was obviously quite well paid. He was a big VP. And he kind of said, oh, look, my taxes are higher than your salary. He goes, isn't this disgraceful? Look how much tax I have to pay. That's more than you get paid a year. Sounds lovely. Yeah. So not all bosses are great. No, he he, he was pretty rubbish, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. um, but anyway, the, the, the next scale of attack. So I've just mentioned that, but they're ag- ag- agari. Gary. Anyway, he, the Gary security chaps, they have, they are talking about fictional phantom workers. So they postulating that that maybe you could actually get someone 
on the books of HR who doesn't actually exist in the company. So if, the, if you have a big enough organisation <laughs> using hacked have you, emails... Have you seen Frank? I've never said, have you seen Frank? The big guy. <laughs> I think this is entirely possible. I've heard for companies who were paying people who were dead, who were paying people who'd retired. It just, they just forgot to take them off the, the payroll. It, and and, and that's, <laughs> now that is dozy. Right, that is stupid. No, there's a difference between there's a difference between being dozy and being dead, Jennifer. I mean, if you, if you prod someone for enough times, you should be able to find it. It reminds me a little bit of that. Um, do you remember that Michael J. Fox movie? This is really going to date me. The Secret of My Success, where he starts in the mailroom, no. and he finds it's probably about. I've totally seen one. this, but it's a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. It had music by Yellow. It's like oh yeah, and all that. Anyway, it was it was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> he finds an empty office. And he basically sort of moves into it. And just through uh, using the same kind of techniques that you probably use, Jenny, to break into companies and, and find their weaknesses, everyone assumed he was quite high up in the company. He put a name on the door, started telling people to do things, soon had a secretary and built himself up and complained to HR his salary wasn't arriving. Everyone, just because of his sheer brass... He got away with it. And I think that would be this kind of attack as well. I don't know if it's happened, but you can imagine in particularly large, disorganised organisations, it might be possible to actually get a fake person on the books who gets paid automatically every month and the money goes straight to the scammers. I, I, I went for one company and I noticed a, a health and safety violation that was quite a big one. There was a, an obviously heavily pregnant girl, young young woman, lifting a heavy crate. Mm. It was when I worked in, in, in factories. And so I went and reported it to the head of the fashion. He said, well, who's their boss? I said, well, I don't know. It's not me. I'm head of operating, not me. Is it you? No. I said, well, who is it? Well, nobody can find out. Nobody knew who she reported to. She didn't know who she reported to. And so nobody, there was almost like no one to blame for the fact that she clearly hadn't had the training in health and safety. Nobody really knew anything about her. And actually, I'm not sure how that panned out. I know she disappeared. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not sure how it panned out. I, but I've worked for companies of that kind of size and complexity. That There was all kinds of stuff going on that people didn't know about. Lots of scams. They uncovered a, um, someone who was making bacon sandwiches and selling them from the factory floor. Nobody knew about that. False walls in <laughs> warehouses. I mean, if physically you can hide people and bacon sandwich factories and parts <laughs> warehouses. Bacon sandwich factories. <laughs> I'm sure the virtual pigs are pigs are stuffed into the locker rooms. <laughs> Honestly, he'd been running it for years, selling them from his space on the shop floor and he only found out <laughs> Because one day someone smelt it and not one of his oh. colleagues would grass him up. Well no, it's bacon sandwiches, you wouldn't, would you? Because they were cheap. <laughs> no, we have to move on, Jenny, but this this pregnant woman who who said, Oh, I don't know who my boss is and no one else seemed to know. Is it possible she was actually a thief and she wasn't pregnant, she just had a monitor stuffed up the front of her jersey and was pinching it. And well, and well, maybe she was being brassy. Maybe she was claiming, Oh yes, could you help me lift this thing into the back of my car? And off she would go. <laughs> I'd love to think that that was the case and that I missed uh, a fellow social engineer in full flow, but I, I, I really... Like ships in the night. Yeah. Yeah. If that's true and you're listening to this, do contact me and tell me because, you know, I'd like to give you an interview on my show. If you'd like <laughs> Jenny, uh, what have you got for us this week? Oh... So I love, love this story. I am talking about the giant gold coin theft 
in Berlin. I don't know anything about this. Okay, no, cool. I haven't heard about this. What happened? Oh, God, this is, this is so good. So this week, four men have gone on trial because in 2017, four, four miscreants managed to break into the Bode Museum in Berlin and steal the biggest ever uh, legal tender coin, which was solid gold. It was worth... <laughs> 3.75 million euros. <laughs> Don't bring that, that down the chippy. <laughs> the size of a car tyre. Right? Buy you a lot of bacon sandwiches. That, How do you it? lift that? You just roll it down the road? So you roll it. That's why, that's why, that's why um, you know. Human ingenuity. Drain covers and things are, are, are around so you can roll them, right? You don't have to lift it. Anyway, it's the size of a tyre. It weighs 100 kilos. And they stole it. And I just love this story. So there's so many elements. They wheeled the coin through the museum on a rollerboard, right? (laughs) Smashed through a bulletproof cabinet. And then they used a rope and a wheelbarrow to transport it (laughs) across the railway tracks through a park to a getaway car. But And it stuns everyone, right? It's actually a Canadian legal tender. (laughs) But I love this, uh, this line in the article, which I sent you the link for that I'm sure you'll post. But it says, it stunned the German public, not least because of its audacity and old fashioned simplicity. And the fact that no alarms have been triggered. Well, it turns out that no alarms have been triggered because just weeks before, one of their oldest friends from school started work as a contract security guard. Oh, fancy that. Fancy that. Oh, insider. Pure coincidence. So I love it. They're looking at 10 years, but I mean, I love it because it's pure social engineering. It's old fashioned sort of heist, the type of stuff that I do uh, legally, obviously. We replicate. <laughs> um, I just have, how theatrical and, and wonderful is that? It, but they got caught. So. Yeah, it's amazing to think that they thought they could get away with it. Well, if it hadn't been for them pesky German authorities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wheelbarrow love it oh yeah any crime committed with a wheelbarrow so this is legal tender in canada yeah you just got to get it there (laughs) apparently that's what i'm thinking is you'd have to check it in to the plane wouldn't you you're a pretty good swimmer graham actually you could probably just you know backpack it it seems that it was made to break the record for the largest ever legal tender i don't know whether that's largest physically or just in amount because you know it could be both. But what do you yeah. do with it? Well, I mean, you, you can't buy you roll it in. Because... You roll it into no. a real estate agent, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's obviously been melted down yeah. and sold on. I mean, you need a fence, Graham. Come on. Right, right. I suppose so. Yeah. If you tried to get in a cab with it, it'd say, I haven't got change for that, wouldn't it? <laughs> it wouldn't it'd be. But it was hidden in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Carol, what's your story for us this week? So reading recent tech headlines, it certainly seems like the internet giants are having a bit of a comeuppance in 2019. And we are lucky enough to have a back row seat. We don't have a full picture of what's going on, but some of the information is making its way downstream Mm -hmm. to us mere users. And I wanted to speculate with you guys. Do we think the actions we're going to talk about here are going to make any difference? In other words, are Facebook or Google going to mend their ways <laughs> I've, I've got a theory already but let's let's hear what <laughs> let's hear what's happening to them um so this week we saw france's data protection regulator c get it as in c nile <laughs> uh-huh. i don't know if you're supposed to say c n i l or not anyway c we're going to call it that issued google with a 50 million euro fine so that's just shy of 60 million yeah dollars us for failing to comply with its eu's general data protection laws also known as gdpr This is the 
first GDPR fine that has at least seven zeros. Thankfully, it's not just zeros. There's a <laughs> a non-zero at the front, right? So other ones have included a Portuguese hospital, which was fined 400 grand after its staff mm-hmm. used bogus accounts to access patient records. We've had uh, 20,000 uh, euros being fined to a German social media and chat service for storing social media passwords in plain text. And there's even a small Austrian business that would find five grand in October for having a security camera that was filming a public space. I know, I'm All surprised right. that fits in under wow. GPR, but there you are. Yeah. Data protection regulator CNIL stated that Google failed to provide enough information to users about its data consent policies and didn't give them enough control over how their information was used. No, not. <laughs> so just just to be just to reiterate, under GDPR, companies are required to gain a user's genuine consent for collecting information, which means making consent an explicitly opt-in process that's easy for mm. people to go uh-uh to, right? Yeah. Now, yep. GDPR fines can be set as high as four percent of a company's annual turnover. Okay, not profit. So mm-hmm. a Google or parent company Alphabet reported revenues of 33.7 billion last summer in three months alone. And that was up 21% from the previous summer. Not bad. Let's extrapolate and do a little math here, Graham. Math. Maths. Maths. Math. Oh, I'm time outnumbered. Math. Maths. <laughs> so let's say Google are raking in about 100 billion a year. Right? So if they're making 30, yeah, right, right 100 billion a year, billion probably 120, yes. but let's say 100 okay. billion a year. That's 4% fine right. would be 4, 4 billion. 4 billion, yes, absolutely. Well done. <laughs> yes, this is good. It's easy so far. So while this current GDPR <laughs> fine of 50 million sounds impressive, it's a bit like mm. having $100 and someone fining you 5 cents for flagrantly ignoring the rules. Um. Yes, it's not. Well, yes, it's not. It's not a huge. Yes, you're right. Yeah. For us, for users, it sounds huge, right? It sounds really impressive. But really, in the grand scheme of things, from their point of view, this this is probably less than they pay their lawyers in a year. It's probably less than they spend on sugar lumps in a year. (laughs) I do seem to remember reading a story which said that Facebook and Google had lost $100 million to business uh, email compromise (laughs) scammers uh, in the last few years. So uh, you're quite right to say that, that, you know, this is something they can probably deal with quite easily. What was interesting is so when I was researching the story, I decided to go and uh, use a rarely used browser this morning to do a bit of Google news searching. And I was presented with this pop-up, which said, basically, it's a data protection law alert. And it was warning right. me of my settings and checking whether I was still cool with them. So I don't know if this is a response, because obviously I'm based in Europe, to this um, fining in this case, but it's interesting, it just popped up this morning. Even, even though it may be a, a, a relatively small percentage, no one wants to keep on getting fined, do they? And the fine might, of course, escalate over time. So I think they want to be seen, at least, to be warning people, go and approve our data policy, which, they, of course, they know hardly anyone's going to read. So this is France bringing this um, fine. This is Sino bringing the fine to Google. We. Oui. Presumably, other EU countries can do the same thing. Uh, yes. You know, where does the money go? The money goes to France's data protection regulator? Does it go to the EU? So I don't know that. 
Oh, I see. I see. So what you're saying is France has had a go and presumably they get the money. But, or, ooh, and wouldn't well, that encourage hmm. other, you know, Greece? 27 Greece? or other <laughs> countries. Greece, yes. You know, Spain. That's a good one. I think Britain yes. might want to get in quickly, actually. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, TikTok, we, Britain. We could do with some and cash. you've seen an answer. <laughs> Across the pond to the US of A, we are seeing social networking platform Facebook in the FTC hot seat. According to the New York Times, there are five commissioners that have been assigned to look into whether Facebook violated the binding user privacy agreements during the Cambridge Analytica scandal. FYFI, guys, (laughs) I say they did. Yes, obviously. She said that. I never said that. (laughs) (laughs) And there are rumors that the ICO may be planning to issue a record-setting fine. Now, in theory, the FTC could fine Facebook up to $40,000 per violation, though considering there are millions and millions of users affected by this breach, that would run into the trillions and not be viable. Could you imagine a world without Facebook? Oh, go on, do it. Plunk, flush, Facebook. (laughs) Oh, that'd be so awesome, wouldn't it? You know what? If they did that, everyone in Europe would end up like, we're like the Arabian oil magnets. Imagine the money flooding into Europe if we could fine 40 trillion. This is the FTC. This is in the US. Oh, oh, okay. But anyway, they could be really rich That's as well. Right. That's terrific. That's right. But, but as soon as it gets to those sort of levels, counter arguments are going to come in that this is now part of society. This is something that people rely on. And also, it's sort of anti-business. And I mean, right at the beginning of the... It can't even bear talking. I can't believe you've got me talking about GDPR. But right at the beginning of it... I mean, you so owe me drinks now. So I just don't talk about it. And it's too early for me to actually drink. If this was my podcast, I'd have a drink. If someone mentions this. But back in the early days... What is your what is your problem? What is your problem with GDPR? Because it's boring, Carol. <laughs> oh, I don't find data privacy boring. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> well, it's I, clearly, and it's I don't, and I think my story is being exciting. Your, so your far. story is exciting, and I hate to bring hostility into the proceedings. I'm not talking about you. Don't make it all about you. No, no, you I'm go ahead, Jenny. I think I like my this show. Let's have a big cat fight. You have to take a drink if you may. I've, I've interviewed <laughs> privacy professionals who are not allowed to say. <laughs> a friend of mine said to me, there will be a huge case, like a huge case, and it'll involve one of the giants. And when that happens, yeah. it'll be the lawyer train. And it'll be said that it'll go on so long and so yeah. much will happen during that pr- pr- uh, process that wh- whatever starts, it's going to be irrelevant by the end. And I think they're probably right because you've got so- companies like uh, Facebook have got so much money to kind of drag it out, to argue it, to lobby. Lobby appeals. Yeah. yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the, it, it won't be as straightforward as perhaps some of us would like to see to sort of show that this is actually a serious thing. And I am joking with you, Carol, but that it's a serious thing that does need taken seriously. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, I know, I know. And GDPR does sound very dull. I agree. But I, uh, well, as we'll see, maybe we're in a much better state than some of the Americas, for example, in terms of what if is I was legal. Ma- if, I was, if I was making GDPR the action movie, you know, with Bruce Willis and... 
Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that, really trying to make it dramatic in order to keep everyone interested, including everyone Jenny, be nude. in the subject of GDPR. <laughs> uh, well, the th- I was just thinking, the final twist at the end, you know, that moment in Seven when he opens the box and he realises it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head or something like that. The final twist at the end would be that some scammers, just as Facebook is transferring the $300 trillion... They changed the bank account. <laughs> Exactly. Someone comes in and goes, oh, hello, we are the French people. We are from CNIL. We would like to know you need to know that we have changed our bank account details. And Zuckerberg, he's got his finger over the enter button. He clicks and the money goes in the wrong account. They say, ha ha, you've got to pay again, buddy. You just gave it to the baddies. Or they divide it between all of the users and we all get a check. We just we should write movies, you and me, Jen. We don't need to do podcasting. No, no, I think you both should. I can't wait to see them. <laughs> they sound great. So the, my question is, would we agree that these fines aren't necessarily going to have any financial impact on these giants? Do we feel that these companies are too fat and powerful to regulate or not? Because... What's stopping them? They've had they've had carte blanche. They haven't had any legislation, and it turns out that they've not necessarily played um, behave very well with our user data. Well, how big do you think the fine should be? Well, maybe maybe it's legislation and not fines that it has to happen. Exactly. You, th- this is completely not what we would do if we were trying to take someone down. You don't hit them in a place where they're not vulnerable. They're not vulnerable financially. You're not going to wipe them out. I would force them to help create the policies and the legislation that needs to take place in order to protect user policy and user privacy. And they're not going to behave on their own, right? So you need to get legislators. And I guess the legislator's arm at the moment is financial. It's a fine, right? But they have been taking the piss. And so I say maybe we should support local legislators that are willing to tackle these giants because there's a few in the States. There's a few here in the UK. And maybe it's time for them to pay the piper. And maybe that is legislation, not fines. I think it's a start. Yeah. It's it a is good a good start. start. I agree too. I think it is a good start. Well, I think if any of our listeners have got thought of alternative ways in which we could punish tech companies for being sloppy with our data, Ooh. they should let us know either by dropping us a line at studio at smashingsecurity.com or on our Twitter or on our Reddit as well. It'd be great to hear from you. I'd love to hear. <laughs> And see, this is why I do GDPR, because now Pick of the Week is so much more exciting. You do realise I'm keeping a tally. That's eight drinks between you and me. That's easy. I can do that. (laughs) And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. (laughs) Sorry, was I supposed to say it too? (laughs) Oh, it's like that, is it? Okay. Pick of the Week. Thank you. Uh, so Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they like. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. No, it definitely should not be. Well, mine is not security-related this week. Good. This weekend, I sat down with my little son, and we played... We I think we've mentioned before that we like to play on the old Nintendo Switch. Does he really enjoy it or do you enjoy no, it and force really, him to play with you? He really does. And I, I think it's it's a good... Um, it's, it's good to get away from the sort of sniper <laughs> game. Sort of. <laughs> so, um, so we have been playing a game, a short little game, but it's really fun and it was quite cheap in the Nintendo store. And you can also get it for iOS, Android and on Steam. And it's called The Office Quest. Okay. And so- The Office Quest is all about... 
having a very, very dull job in your <laughs> office and you're so bored, bored. Who chose this game? And, but it's very charming. And, and basically you escape from the office, you get away from your boss out into the world and then it all becomes more and more surreal what happens. i give you an idea of the... It's beautiful art in this game, but everyone in the game, it's completely unexplained, is wearing a kind of animal onesie. <laughs> yeah. So there's people. What, so like fur, for furries. Oh, this is the link, and I saw it was sheep. They're just like these are all the sheep in this link, and I thought, is this some kind? Is he? Is this a coded message yes. about compliance? Not bloody GDPR <laughs> compliance. There you go. You get one back. But about like lame compliance exercises we do to show that people can be easily scammed. Anyway, what is this? They, they look it's like furries. Really, it's a, it is a bit furvertish, but that, that's not soil my son's childhood <laughs> there's one dressed as a banana yes well there you go it does happen Carol so <laughs> anyway so the office quest really fun uh, there's no dialogue in it whatsoever it's all done so you, it doesn't make, you know, I guess that made it really easy to translate or whatever oh. but um but it's not just a point and click, it's also at one point a platform, and there's a lot of sort of logical puzzles as well, and we really have to think. Um, and it was a real brain bender. We, we finished it in a weekend, it was good fun, it only cost us about £10, and that is why I recommend The Office Quest to be my pick of the week. I'll give you that it's very beautiful, actually. I love the it drawings. I'm just checking it's out the website. Cute. That's right up my street. Yeah, very nice, yeah. but it's got a real style about it. Jenny Radcliffe, what's your pick of the week? Oh, so this is this is what I think about in the long dark hours sometimes, and this isn't oh, even no. a particularly new. It's going to be GDPR article. Isn't it? Oh, that day I got it back. Um, this isn't. I've got a tally. I'm telling you. So this isn't even particularly new. But I'd had a particularly bad day and, and Brexit and all these things is going on and you think it couldn't get any worse. And you should know that, as Shakespeare said, whilst you can say this is the worst, the worst it is not, or words <laughs> to that effect. So I'm just browsing actually through Reddit. So there mm-hmm. you go. And I see something along the lines of, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, there are several countries in the world that have got radioactive wild boars in them. I'm sorry, wandering bores. around yes not Dull boring arms. people <laughs> no <laughs> no as in the sort of pig oh boars like in asterisks sort of the things which snuffle up <laughs> yes truffles. indeed so in the czech republic yes. um there is still fallout from chernobyl wow and it has turned a certain type of mushroom toxic oh. uh, from cesium-137 and the boars eat the mushrooms, and then the boars are killed for goulash, which... And the, and the article I read said, but you'd, you'd have to eat an awful lot of goulash for this to be an issue. I don't even want to eat any goulash if I think that the thing's radioactive. They're in the Czech Republic. All they're going to be eating is goulash, from my experience. Yes. Maybe maybe we need to start walking around with a Geiger counter and checking our dinners. Perhaps unsurprisingly, when people uh, had to evacuate our Fukushima in Japan six years ago, yeah. or, or however long ago, um, the wild boar population there has, has done really well. So there's lots of them inhabiting Fukushima. What but do you mean they've done really well? They've sort of grown extra heads or something? It doesn't what, what's... seem to have affected their breeding in a detrimental way. So they've... Right. they've, they've 
the population has exploded and and now <laughs> they an are they are much more radioactive than the ones in the Czech Republic. So they are three hundred times higher than the safe level. Oh my goodness. So wild boar is a delicacy in Japan, but not when it's three hundred times. And apparently Yeah. This is when you don't buy local. <laughs> yeah. And so apparently um, that it's, but what, one of the other side effects is they've not seen humans for a long time, so they're really aggressive. So if you thought you were having a bad day, <laughs> imagine if you were. Tr- and I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say this in poor taste, as it were, to poor people who suffered a, a terrible disaster. But if you were trying to return to your home, one of the things you probably didn't think you'd have to deal with would be a wild, wild. I was livid, boar <laughs> that is radioactive. <laughs> preventing you from <laughs> from re-entering the region. So I just, I thought, you know, sometimes we need a break, don't we, from security topics. And actually, in a way, it is a security topic because if you were going to have anything protecting your premises, I think even I would avoid uh, breaking into somewhere with, with, with that. So can, can I... Can I just check? Can I just check <laughs> that your pick of the week yeah. is a miserable story about the plight of wild boars, which are radioactive because of humans messing up. How perfectly English. (laughs) And this is what cheered you up because of Brexit. You you dissed me. You threw shade about the radioactive boars. (laughs) Threw shade. What are we, 14? (laughs) No, we were living in 2019. (laughs) Language evolves, Graham. It's an interesting pick of the week. Kroll, moving on. What's your pick of the week? Well, I have chosen Maniac. Uh, It's a season with 10 episodes written by Patrick Somerville, the writer of the first True Detective series. I don't know if either of you saw that, but I thought it was a bit of a masterpiece. Uh, It stars Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Now, the whole thing is a bit nutso. It's fast paced, tightly scripted, and it's basically, I guess the best way to explain it is two people who kind of meet and juxtapose at a kind of really wacky medical trial designed to remove all pain and suffering from humankind. Once you begin to appreciate the structure of the mind, there's no reason to believe that anything about us can't be changed. The mind can be solved. I know it sounds a bit depressing. It's not at all. It's kind of a cocktail of comedy, sci-fi, murder, horror, bit of philosophy, bit of ethics. It's really, really weird and lovely. Now, I thought everyone would love it, but Wired absolutely hated it. I'm going to put a link to their uh, their review because <laughs> it's quite it's they're they're outraged, but I really enjoyed it. So I find it. I think if you watched Life on Mars, I would say that's a very good UK equivalent. Of what it's what I how I found it yeah so uh, check it out Maniac Netflix came out in September 2018 and uh, I think it rocks intriguing well thank you very much Carol and I think that just about wraps it up for this week Jenny we I'm sure plenty of people would like to follow you on the social media what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or find you on social networks uh, Twitter uh, at Jenny underscore Radcliffe. Or you can go to the website, which is currently, and soon to change, but currently is still JennyRagliff.com. 
Okay, and on Twitter, you can follow us at Smash Insecurity. No G, Twitter won't allow us to have a G. And you can check out our online store to grab T-shirts and stickers and mugs and things like that at smashinsecurity.com slash store. Thank you, uh, as always, for listening to the show. And thank you to our sponsors this week, Recorded Future and LastPass. Until next week, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Sneaking in an extra pick of the week here because it's kind of security related. If you're interested in Russia's IRA or Internet Research Agency and its effort to amplify conspiracy thinking and partisan conflict in the US, check out Sam Harris's podcast called Waking Up. It's episode 145 called Information War and it features Renee DeResta. She really knows her stuff. Anyway, there you go. Don't tell Graham.